Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley's Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Guys, the world is a little bit crazy right now. All right, COVID is back. And like a virus, so is Bob. Bob Iger. And we're going to talk about Mr. Iger and Star Wars and the future of our favorite franchise because you have found the Wretched Hive freaking podcast for Friday, December 9th, 2022, episode 100, excuse me, 100, 200, 100. I know, rookies, I know, 241 of the show, my name is Steve Baldwin, and the entire hive is with us tonight, Greg, Scott, Dave, and Nico are joining me on a fun-filled trip to a galaxy far, far away. For your listening ear holes, we are thrilled to fill you in with the latest and greatest Star Wars news. Someone's fired up tonight. I am. I am pumped. You know why? Because I don't get to talk about Star Wars very often. It's only No, I don't. I don't. How is that possible? It's only 24-7, 365. I want 366. I want want 25-8, 366. I love me some good Star Wars, Scotty Bansky. Ah, man, man. Let's change fucking science for this, man. Let's just change <laughs> how the universe works for this. I'm I'm down. Anyway, the whole crew is here. We've got... Sounds great, Greg. Greg, we've got Scott. <laughs> we've got the Millennial. Millennial Falcon. Falcon. We've got Dave. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry, Dave. And, of course, we've got me. Steve. That's right. This uh, is where I get jealous that I don't have my soundboard when Steve's just like, like rapid fire with all the clips and I got nothing going on because I was late getting on, on board tonight and I couldn't get my system properly set up. You know what? You better really get you really, you really cut me deep there, Steve. You know what? You better get fired up. Hold on. Just put your cheek up a little higher. Put it up. Oh! That's oh. right. That's, you deserve that right there. Great, great. He's better... like the friend in the, in the early 90s that had access to one of those mixing boards. It's like, doop, doop. I'm a 1978 DJ. My soul is like Wolfgang. What What was his name? Guy, Wolf, uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. No. He was Wolfgang from... Puck? No. What, what was his? The Wolfman. Wolfman Jack. Wolf, Wolfgang Van Halen? From okay. the 70s. Wolf, Wolfgang is different from Wolfman, just in defense of the rest of us on the line. Damn it. All right. Well, Whatever his name is, um, you can check him out and probably us out also on Facebook. Check us out at facebook.com forward slash Wretched Hive podcast. Uh, you can you can go and um, see if we've updated. Scott, have you posted anything on Facebook on, Facebook, on the Wretched Hive I, Facebook lately? I wouldn't. I haven't, but I will. I will remedy that. Real Can't soon. just do that. Right, Scott, put your face. You know, you haven't. D- that's right um is so violent tonight i am feeling violent tonight and you can also find us on the twitter is twitter still a thing for now is it still a thing is it live i just want to know are we paying for the blue check mark no we're not paying for the blue check mark 
goddamn right. You're goddamn right. At uh, at Wretch Hive Pod. You can also text the show at uh, 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E. In case you can't spell hive. Goddamn right. All right. And, and by also, the way, yeah. that number is also a voicemail. So by any chance, if you know who Wolfman Jack is, please feel free to give us a call and commiserate with the old guys. We'd love to hear from you. Does anyone, Speaking you guys... of goddamn Wolfman Jack, I think Scott is the, probably the only other person other than me who's seen this movie is the fucking weird Al Yankovic movie. Holy oh. fucking shit. Is that, <laughs> the one, is, that, is that the one on Hulu? with uh, uh, Roku. Uh, Roku. Roku with with Daniel Radcliffe as, as yes. Weird Al. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I need to I, watch that. I don't know what I was expecting going into this movie, but it was not that. <laughs> <Let me laughs> really? that. I, I've heard really good things. Is what what was your take? Um it, it's 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 funny. The joke gets old after a little oh. after a little bit, but you know, it's if you're a Weird Al fan, it's very it's so far out of left field. Much like UHF was back in the day, mm. uh, but an entirely different kind of movie. Greg, okay. um, all you need to think of is it's the most meta Weird Al documentary or uh, mockumentary ever made about Weird Al, ever. So, yes. I, yeah. I heard Deborah Ann Wool is dynamite as Madonna. Oh, yeah. and, and that's not Deborah Ann Wool. That's, um, that's, uh, oh, no, you're right. It's the woman from uh, Westworld. Uh, yeah. Um, nope, it's not. Oh, is it the girl from Westworld? Really? Yeah. She was Marilyn Manson's ex-girlfriend. I'm sorry to put it as 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 pedantic as that, but it was Marilyn Manson's ex-girlfriend. Evan Rachel Wood. Yes, no Evan Rachel kidding. Wood. Sorry. I went there for the wrong three-name actress. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies, everybody. Okay. But I heard Evan Rachel Wood is dynamite as Madonna in that movie. She's uh, hilarious. Absolutely but, hilarious. What's his name from The Office plays? Uh, Dwight, Dwight Schrute. Dwight Schrute. Uh, Rain, Rain, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson plays Dr. Demento and holy oh, shit, see genius incredible. in this. That's that's genius oh casting. Yes, and, and and Jack Black is um is Wolfman Jack. That's what got me on this whole rant right no now. Jack kidding. Black is Wolfman. Oh my god, yes. I've gotta see this movie. So yeah. Evan Rachel Wood posted something on her Instagram the other day because, you know, I follow I'm friends with Evan Rachel Wood. Good for you. No, I'm not. Yeah. I, is it the, it's the same thing mind. if you follow someone you're friends with them right it's the same right, yes, right. absolutely lifelong friends lifelong yep. friends yep. yep uh and so she posted uh, a little clip of herself as madonna doing like the madonna dance and i was like wow posted it to, to you obviously as her friend no she just yes. texted me it's the same thing as <laughs> posting it on instagram right and if i can help she can't yes. send it to you on facebook messenger because you never read that fucking thing <laughs> whatever <laughs> um yeah, so I was like, why is she doing Madonna? So now it makes oh, sense. Yes. Okay. Yep. Look, right. look, yeah. I am an old school Madonna fan, and I got to tell you, it's a great take on Madonna. And nice. a weird take on Madonna. That's cool. That's saying a lot because she's fucking weird, man. So That is cool. So, hey, so we... if we're talking about things that we've watched recently, I'll just say that I, I watched all the Alien movies in release order a couple of weeks ago. I'm I sorry. Had, I had never seen <laughs> Alien Resurrection before. Fantastic. And oh my God, what an unmitigated piece of shit that movie is. Hey, it's hey pretty back, off, back off. I'm a huge fan of that movie. Stop it. 
it's it's horrible, Steve. I'm sorry. You're I wrong. You are stuff. wrong. It makes it. I I, I it, that was only the second time I'd seen Alien Three, and that looks like freaking Citizen Kane next to Alien Resurrection. Wait, Alien Three is uh, Sigourney shaves her head in that one. Yes. 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 See, that, and that, is great, that is a great look. You stop that here. You stop that right now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I, I enjoy them all for what they are, but three and four just are not good. Well, actually, if you don't you know, you don't appreciate it all. Watch the quadrilogy box set. Watch the bonus material. There's a documentary about Alien Three that is better than Alien Three. That is mm. fucking batshit crazy. I hope it's, it's just David. By... Da- I hope it's just David Fincher just like face palming the entire time, just like. Ugh. So <laughs> they, he would he would not allow uh, them to record him. So it's <laughs> everybody speaking for him, and it is batshit crazy. It's edited to make 20th Century Fox not look too bad. That's yeah. what's crazy. So there's not even a full version of this documentary available, and it's still makes you just despise Fox. Cringe. So can I just do a quick shout out though to, um, we're going to talk about Smartless, the podcast a little bit later Mm because Ryan Johnson Mm -hmm. was on Smartless. It's a top Mm -hmm. five or 10 rated podcast. Just a few, a couple notches just above us. I mean, let's give him credit what credit's due. Who's this guy? Those are homies. Smartless. But uh, Sigourney Weaver is, uh, is in episode 126. I have that actually in my show notes for today. I just listened to it. It's a really entertaining. Sigourney Weaver is a very, very great uh, guest. So yeah. check that out. Uh, Smartless episode 126, Sigourney Weaver. She talks about Alien 3, actually, because they just watched it. And for some reason, they talked about Alien 3, Dave. I I will check it out. I will also say the production values on Alien 3 are sky high. And I feel like it's one of the last one of the one of that end cycle of these these big set big budget you know practical set movies right whereas alien resurrection was very cramped and i saw an interview with sigourney weaver where she said yeah i did it because they paid me a lot of money yeah she's just like that's it (laughs) you know she said among other things she said that she hated the script for alien she didn't want it she auditioned and she got the part and she was like i don't like the script and she got the part she did it and of course her whole life changed after that anyway hey we didn't finish the promo part of the show guys we gotta we gotta we gotta double back here a little bit yeah i i I derailed us so i'm sorry that's okay just a reminder we've expanded the the scope and breadth of where you can find our show guys recently we've we are available now on google podcasts apple music sorry excuse me amazon music uh Apple Podcasts, of course, where most of our listeners are listening through Apple Music. But now we're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Player FM, Podchaser, the Samsung Podcast app. Who knew there was such a thing, Nico Rodriguez? I did. Yeah. We have a Zoom app. <laughs> I just want to... A what? Zoom? Zoom is what we're... No, a Zoom. Zoom. Oh, you know those Zoom. things that you support? Oh, music? <laughs> Does anybody said... have one of those anymore? I just want to have us on that too. <laughs> yeah, we're on the Zoom. We could probably get on the Zoom. Let's do yeah. it. She's on uh, the Zoom. But uh, yeah, check us out any of those. Or you can send us, connect with us the old fashioned way. Send us an email to show at wretchedhive.com. 
podcast.net. Call your uh, local operator, have her plug you in, and she'll hook <laughs> you up with our special hotline. Also, by the way, will you please, uh, listeners, rate and follow and rate the show? Give us a rating in your podcast app. That helps other people find us. So thanks in advance for that. All right, quick shout out, guys. I 12 minutes into the show, I have to do a shout out. So uh, Lisa and I, as as has been well documented on the show, we go to Disneyland quite a bit. And uh, we have continued that trend in the last few months. Um, and we met a couple of people at Disneyland that I have to give a shout out to. We were in line at Small World. You guys familiar with the world? With the I heard of it. I will crawl through the screen and strangle you. <laughs> right now. Like a blue-eyed dragon. <laughs> Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. Right now, it's dressed up for Christmas. Small World is beautiful. You cannot go on It's a Small World after all and not be in the mood for the holidays. It's impossible. Oh. Oh yes, you can, sir. <laughs> I will and, accept uh, that challenge. So there, they are. There's a special little uh, treat you have when you go on Small World. They have the number twenty five hidden in twelve places in It's a Small World, or I guess is it is the official name of the ride It's a Small World, or is it just Small World? It's a Small World. Okay, uh, yeah. All right, so it's hidden. The number 25 is hidden in 12 places because Disney is celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Christmas version of It's a Small World. So 25 years ago, they did, um, I guess in Disney speak, what is called the overlay, the overlay of for It's a Small World, the Christmas version. So we're in line for It's a Small World. And I was wearing my Doctor Who TARDIS cap, my uh, beanie. And uh, this guy behind us in line made a comment about it. Turns out his name was Dan. And he was there with his family, Dan and Riley. Now, as it turns out, Riley, his daughter, works at Disneyland. In the Bippity Boppity Boutique. So Dan, Riley, Lisa, and I talked about Star Wars and Disney stuff for probably, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. The entire time we were in line. Uncomfortably um, too long for grown-ass uh, grown adults? No, no, no. Dan and Riley were the nicest people on the planet. They were so cool. And so, for tolerating you for 30 minutes is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, absolutely. Yes. For, they, they earn their stripes for sure. They, they dealt with me for 30 minutes in line. Uh, you know, they started talking to me about Dr. Who and I'm like, eh, I'm not really a fan. I just kind of wore the hat. And my kid's a fan. I'm a star Wars fan. I'm a, you know, I'm not, I, at this point I didn't share about the podcast at all. I'm like, just, I'm a, I'm a big star Wars fan. And at that point they're, attitude changed they're like oh it's on this is on um dan asked if i'd watch andor every episode i, I thought this was going to take a really weird and personal turn for a second with oh it's on it's on no no not like that shut up um i he asked me what i thought i thought oh, i really liked it first thing out of his mouth he says dave filoni 
I am not making this up. He goes, Dave Filoni should be the Kevin Feige for Star Wars. And I'm like, this guy is my hero. Okay. This guy should be on our show. This is what I've been saying from day one. Well, if you can and get Dan, Kevin, if you can get Kevin Feige or a or a Dave, Dave, Dave Felino on the show, let add, let's do it. What are we waiting yeah. for? I know. Yeah, Mr. Producer Man. I, yeah. <laughs> at least one yeah. of us works in between the shows. My God! Wow! Uh, don't don't go dissing the ninety nine cent store like that, sir. That's true. Dude, I'm putting off work right now, buddy. That's so, all I'm saying. So I one of the other things. So Riley said. Riley made a great comment. She said. Um, the Marvel campus over at Disney California always has stuff going on. There's like, you know, you look around the corners, there's always cool stuff going on over there. Galaxy's Edge needs to catch up. And it's it's a little bit tame by comparison. For those of you that go to Disneyland, you know, Galaxy's Edge is cool. It's super cool, okay? It's awesome. Avengers Campus is better than Galaxy's Edge. It's just got, bite your fucking tongue. What are you talking about? Got more stuff going on. There's more action. There's more energy. Oh, and God. here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's timeless. Okay. Galaxy's Edge is locked into Kylo Ren era Star Wars. Unfortunately. Because they because they've invested themselves in the resistance in the first order. That's what they did. Yeah, and I, got- I, I could not disagree more. I I don't think there's anything been that's been more disappointing at any of the Disney DCA parks than Marvel than the Avengers Campus. I oh. the the Spider Man ride is garbage. That's true. The best thing they've got going for it is they've got a bar. <laughs> where oh. you can buy actual beer. They yes. do not have that in in Galaxy's Edge. So I will give them I will give them the advantage over Galaxy's Edge and you can get, get go to a bar and get an actual beer. Um every other way, the ride is garbage. The 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 scenes are <laughs> all so static. They're just it's just box after box after box. They have a lot of characters running around, sure, but you gotta, but you have the bad <laughs> <laughs> parkour shows. I know well, that well, go on. Well, first of all, but back up one second. Galaxy's Edge does have Ogus Cantina, but you can only buy but, but you, uh, you can buy alcoholic punch there. That's all you can buy. Yes, and you can't take it. You can buy beer there, but you can't take it out and walk with it. Yes, that's the difference. Correct. With in in decal. You can walk around with a beer, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. wonderful. You cannot 100%. do that in Galaxy's Edge. I didn't know 100%. you could do that. Yeah. yeah. But so so she, her point was, though, and, and our point was that the conversation was, oh, let's just screw the timeline. Let, let Vader and original trilogy Stormtroopers walk around Galaxy's Edge. Let's open it up. Well, Or maybe they could just have seasons. Oh. Respectfully. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, this is... This is original trilogy season right now. Now yeah. we're in a prequel season. Now we're in a sequel season. Now we're going to focus on Mandalorian. You know? Sure. That would so, be cool. That would Because be cool. that would that would then entice you to come because I think it's a valid point. That would yeah. mix it up. It is a valid point. Absolutely. Yeah. I am going to and just just to show I'm not a Star Wars homer, the best land in all of the Disney parks, hands down, the number 1 absolute best. Obviously. Carsland. 
Cars Land. Cars Land. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You walk in there. There's there's not even an argument. (laughs) I I can't believe we're agreeing on this. You're immediately immersed. It's like you're in the fucking movie, right? Yes. You're immediately immersed into Cars Land. So into cars. You, you have yeah, the, you have awesome. the, the the theme of the village and day or night. It's fantastic. It's probably better at night, but day is just as good. It's great at night. The ride, the the the, the Radiator Springs, is one of the best rides in all of the park. It's not as good as Ride of the Resistance, but is one of the absolute best. Right. You can get chili in a cone there. That's fantastic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and right now they have like peppermint ice cream with sprinkles on it oh my god i'm gonna jump into on this conversation i'm gonna run through this rapid fire here i agree wholeheartedly now with this because cars land is fantastic and greg you are dead fucking right on that it is nighttime is amazing the neon realistic like yes you feel like you're on route 66 and it is gorgeous it is so cool Uh, absolutely i i disagree I, i've never been to the marvel thing but everything i've seen on all the advertisements it just looks like concrete steel and a bunch of shit yes. and it's 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 so it's all just big blocks but here's the here's my problem if all the attraction was is like a bunch of people dressed up like the stars great the kids love it fantastic but my problem is is exactly something i didn't know greg points out he said the ride so there's one ride that's a Marvel. That's it. No, nah, there's, there's only- two. There's two. Well, they they they, they retrofitted <laughs> the Tower of Terror to be the Guardians Breakout. Um, oh, okay. and it, but it, but I mean, it's 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 not like an original ride. Like like yeah, the Star Wars the Star Wars Land came out with with Smuggler's Run and then Rise of the Resistance. There's there are two clearly themed um, Star Wars rides. The the tower the the guardians breakout is just a retrofit of the old tower of terror. There's you know they they put cooler music in it. That's Wh- but, but I but I really dug the Twilight Zone theme of the old ride. So so that's oh, the I, thing. I, so the 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 galaxy. Uh, sorry, the retrofit is pretty good, right? It, yes, it, it's good. But you missed that Twilight Zone ride. Like I yes, you know, I'm a huge yeah. fan of the Twilight Zone. I missed that ride. So it it is it is a sort of round peg in the square hole thing going on there. So yeah. the, the yeah, tower yeah. of terror was based off of a, of the real Hollywood tower, right? The one that yes. you see off the one Oh one freeway. It's, it's a yes. fantastic idea. And I never got a chance to ride it. And then I heard they were tearing it down. I never got onto it before I left. They didn't they tear didn't... it down. They just retrofitted it. They didn't tear yeah. it down at all. But yeah. it bums me out because I liked the concept of it. And it was a cool idea because it was California adventure. So that was mm-hmm. a great right. idea. I still love those things about that land. Here's where I totally disagree with Steve's point of view on this. Sorry, Steve, but this is why I think as much as I agree with you on the force, uh, the sequel stuff, I think it should be all of Star Wars. I do like your ideas about having seasons or changing it up for things or Dave, if you were the one that mentioned that, but rise of, okay. First of all, the first one that came out was smugglers run, right? The smugglers run ride. Yes. Yes. How many people in the known fucking universe over the last 40 years have wanted to fly the millennium falcon and how long did we talk about it on this show Me. about finally to sit down behind the cockpit of that fucking ship and fly it and still it's something i want to keep doing constantly no matter how much, i still want to go in and figure out the, the cheat code to get chewbacca screaming at us through the whole ride yeah, I would like to do the Chewbacca mode as well, but that ride that ride gets stale very fast. That yeah, ride really is is by the fans that go there a lot, by the people that go there a lot, people hate that ride now. It's really? so, it is, because, it, because you it's, don't it's, have it's to very do anything. Stale. There's it's not you're really not driving anything. Although Dave yeah. and I went that ride, 
I got to launch us into um, hyperspace, and I I'm still a little bit erect from that moment. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, the, the, if, if I am. There, there, there what, six per, what percentage seats, direct would you say I'm you sorry, are? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm about 60. <laughs> there's six? six seats in the car. There's six seats in the car, and only two of them are good. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah. I was lucky to get the lady that I was on that ride, I think I told you this, got freaked out because she didn't want to fly the Falcon. And she what? turned to me and she goes, will you take mine? And I said, yeah. I will take your ticket, and I got to fly the Falcon. How do you not so want to fly the Falcon? I ever got to ride that ride, and What's... it was the best thing. Even though I know I could What's just like go with you? Thing, I still fucking felt like a five-year-old kid watching that movie, but yeah. I'm the one flying the Falcon. Now, that leads me to one last thing about this, and that is Rise of the Resistance. And that ride is still fucking amazing to me. Probably be- be- best ride in the park. Probably the yeah, best ride know. I've ever been on. In an amusement yeah. park, still. No. Yes. Star Wars theme or, or no Star Wars theme? It's 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 a it's a dark ride like you know like Haunted Mansion or like Pirates of the Caribbean. If that's your kick, <coughs> it's got a, a cool story that goes through the whole thing. If that's your kick, it's yeah. got a chase that goes through it. It's got it's got you know the 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 motion thing at the very beginning when you're being transported. Yep. The theme, all of it. It's amazing. You get, well, you get one of the most immersive things. I still have people t- telling me, like, going on that ride, and they walk off the ship after it's been captured for the first time, completely shocked that they're standing in a, in a room full of over 100 stormtroopers, or, or, you know, whatever. Stormtroopers, we'll just call them stormtroopers. When you okay. enter the troop trans, the, the transport thing, the evacuation ship, and then you exit through the same door, and now you're in the bay of the you know, whatever it is, the Imperial ship that's been capped, it's captured your ship. It is a mind bending experience. Truly. Yeah. That is so fucking it, cool. I'll have to send it to you guys. I would even post it on the wretched hive, uh, social media pages. My friend who took me on there for, as a guest, when they were testing the ride, that's the only time I've ever been on it. Videotaped my reactions through parts of the ride. And I <laughs> part when the lady is yelling at me and she is, fierce as hell i couldn't stop laughing but also like but it was this joyous laughter and in the same time i was scared as shit from this lady i'm like this is not a disney employee she is a uh, (laughs) so they've calmed that down a little bit they don't yell at you as much and i miss that i want them to be mean i want them exactly it's 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 a lot more fun when they're when they're really salty with you i agree right Right. <laughs> I'll find the video and I will send it to you guys. I you will you'll laugh at my expressions because it's just shocking what this lady is doing to me, and I'm just like, I, I love it, but I'm also scared. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I just you know, big shout out to uh, Dan and Riley. You, you you made our our trip to Disneyland the other night a lot of fun, and uh, you know, may the force be with you, and I hope to see you there again soon. That was a lot of fun. So. Thanks for the conversation, and uh, you know it's good to have another Star Wars fan subscribing to the show. And uh, they're wrong. They're guys. wrong about Avengers Campus, by the way. They're just wrong about it. But I'm sure they're wonderful people. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. So, so Riley. So Riley works at Disney, and Dan, mm-hmm. who I pre- I presumed was okay. Now I'm going to stop recording. Not really. I presume Dan was the dad. I didn't ask, but I presumed he was. He was like, someday he, she's going to be the CEO. And I asked her, 
Like, will you come on the show when she's CEO? So I think, and she said yes. So I think basically we could have a Bob Iger level person on the show eventually if we what, still are recording like 20 years from now. Because are we talking like when we're all, what, 100? <laughs> hey, <laughs> how old are you? Jesus Christ. So oh. somewhere around episode 650 is what you're saying. And Nico will be like, you know, 42. Your age or something. <laughs> Damn. Damn. All right. Hey, I, I don't know. Math is hard. Math I, is I, hard. That's I true. Was walking, uh, I was walking my dog up at Signal Hill, uh, the alive one. Yeah. And... <laughs> oh, you, you don't walk the dead one anymore? Do you oh, dr- drag sugar <laughs> behind the t- Oh, my God, Scott. Holy shit. Now, Scott, put your face up to the camera really quick. Just put it, put it, put your face up. Oh! There, there you go. All right. Scott's dog literally died like two weeks ago, and it broke his poor wife's heart. And he's talking about how he doesn't take his dead dog for a walk. I, I think he's had. He's, are you sipping the little? Are you sipping a little whiskey there, Scotty? I am, Scotty. Okay. I, just, right. I needed to wake you guys up. Apparently, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So of you're walking. Yes, you're God. walking your dog in Signal Hill. <laughs> you walk up to the park up there. Hey, I'm I'm getting over my illness too. No, um, I, I met a oh. Star Wars fan, Signal Hill. And uh, and his uh, his name was Roger, I believe it was Roger, and we had a nice discussion about Andor. Ah, Andor what? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I just wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, we had a really wonderful conversation about, uh, and, and hopefully, new fan or following us now. Um, I don't know if we can find out <laughs> that's happening, but we uh, can't but you know what that's a great transition scott we've got some news to cover and why don't we get into that right now here we go from abc news world headquarters this is abc world news tonight no it's not it's star wars news with the wretched hive so be it all right so and or season one Wrapped a couple of weeks ago, Dave and I had the opportunity to meet and record and post that recording as a podcast called The Wretched Hive Podcast, episode 240. Uh, We shared our feelings about episode 11 and 12 and season one of Andor, but we haven't heard from you guys yet. We haven't heard from Greg, Scott, and Nico about God, I thought he was I thought you were gonna say we shared our feelings about each other for just well, we, a split split second there. I did, thought that was where you were gonna go with we it. We shared our feelings <laughs> about each other and it's at we Promise never to talk about that. It's on it's it's live at porghub.com, <laughs> the Star Wars Still on uh okay, I'm gonna change the subject. Uh so Greg, Scott, Nico, I wanna hear from you. I'm gonna start I'm gonna start with Scott. I wanna know Scott you kind of got a late start to Andor. Um, yes. You got caught up quickly, and now you've watched the entire season one. What was your take? Uh, start big, inverted pyramid. Start big, and yeah. uh, end sure. up end up narrow. What was your take on the show? What did you uh, what, what what did did you like Andor? What was your take on it? I did. Um... 
Now you now now I'm going to start because remember you started to watch it and you said it was too boring and you let it sit for a long time. I did, Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up, Greg, because uh, I was going to go there, but it does help by prefacing that. Um, I I, it wasn't boring. It was a uh, I think you guys mentioned this. It was a slow burn. Yes. Uh, And I had a lot going on, so that kind of it made it difficult to start that show and focus. I think that was my problem was I couldn't focus on it. And so I backed it up. I actually did this because I was trying to uh, get my wife to watch it, um, which is difficult because she ends up falling asleep through a lot of stuff. Um, not throwing her under the bus. She just does. But Don't but talk about your wedding did, night on the show, Scott. What that did for me was it helped me re-watch those first three episodes and clearly understand what was happening when I was kind of like missing things. And by doing that, it didn't feel as slow as the first time I watched it. And from there, it just took off. I think episode four was when things really started to kick into gear. Um, There was one episode where uh, there's a heist that takes place. I think it's around episode five. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one small complaint. I'm going to throw these little things out and then I'm going to get to the more bigger overall thing. And that's, there's a moment where after this heist happens, everyone's kind of on the lam. Uh, Cassian ends up at this like resort planet and just like out of nowhere, boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, he's getting arrested. He's getting thrown into jail. And I kind of backed it up just to rewatch this because it, it just happened so fast. I didn't know what the hell was really going on. So it kind of cleared it up that it's the way the Empire was changing things. And what I understood later was when he ended up going to prison for such a small thing like it was like trespassing or doing something stupid and yeah it looked like what had happened was they were changing the laws to make infractions longer mm-hmm. to get prisoners into this prison community to start building components for something we didn't know at the time um which ends up being one of the most fascinating things by the end of the show um, but ends up being also one of the greatest segments of this show, and that is the prison colony sequence. And my God, that whole thing is crazy. And and uh, and the Snoke character was, I mean, uh, Andy Serkis's character was fantastic. <laughs> um, it really was. I, I joke about that. I don't know if that's going to be a thing. Um, it's just fun to see him in it. But Man, the way they build that up. Here's one of the couple things I uh, one of the things I pointed out, or I wanted to point out about this sequence is, and what I noticed in this series, I tried to avoid all spoilers, but there's an ongoing theme of uh, the, of the of the term or use of the word "climb" in this. There's um, in the prison sequence. I think Andy Circus when they start to finally figure out that they can break out of this and, and use this time sequence of of uh, prison transfers. Uh, prisoner transfers to happen they jam everything up they flood this area and like everything and the floors are all electrical and andy circus finally jumps in and he's yelling out you know climb he's yelling climb to everyone and and it's just a really cool moment because later on after they do break out um i do love the moment where the two prisoners uh cassie nandor and then i think it's one of the guys that's going to be in rogue one um end up surviving on these little hubs that are out in the middle of like an ocean and they swim to a shore and they're climbing these cliff face and he's telling this guy this repeated line which i love how it's done and it's this weird 
back and forth between these two characters and he finally breaks this guy and he's just like climb and you just got to keep climbing and it just i love how that just keeps being this theme where they're all heading they're all climbing to this bigger goal and uh mm. and, and i think earlier on when they have the heist on that other planet where they're, they're breaking through that star field and they're telling that guy that guy that's dying is screaming at him to climb through the stars and it's just i just freaking love this thing um I loved where it was going. I loved when we get to what eventually becomes the final battle sequence back on the main planet. I'm sorry. I don't know all the names. I was really trying to pick up on this uh, because I'm, I'm trying to get through it as fast as I can. Uh, but I want to point out a couple little things because I, I, I'm avoiding the Easter egg stuff because that was not what the show was about. The show was about unbelievable character, uh, like building and world building, which I hadn't seen in Star Wars. Um, and there are so many great characters in this. So many, my God! I just, I, I seriously, I backed it up not because I didn't, miss, I was missing things. I just wanted to rewatch some of the great, great moments. And uh, hold on, I got a knife sharpening. Is that Nico? <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know who's sharpening. I got a cat in my lap, but um, I'm not sharpening a knife. Uh, I always blame Nico because I want to hear him yell at me. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Mm. Uh, so, um, yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. And I'm sorry I dragged that on, but I just wanted to say that this was an unbelievable show. I did believe you guys. I just wanted to sit down and really absorb it the best I could. Um, I finally got to get through everything. And then it obviously gets to the very end, which was, okay, first of all, Andy Circus's speech when he's talking to all the prisoners is one of the most fantastic things I've heard in a long time in star Wars, but it just gets topped by Marva's. Oh my God. Her, her, what, what like a, her little moment that she records after like prior to her death, that the little, uh, emo droid, whatever B B emo or what, what was his name? I can't even remember. E2 um, emo. Yeah, that's it's it, it 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 is literally in the name. Yeah. So when that projection is happening, um God, it's just so brilliant. And the music that was done for that sequence is some of the most dramatic stuff. The the funeral march that keeps building, and it's the driving that is driving that whole sequence because the whole I think the episode is called Rick's Road or something like that, and it all yeah. takes place on the road, and you learn about the 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 history of what, what people, when they pass on that planet, they get turned into the mortar of the bricks. The whole concept of that, how everything comes together at that point, and it's not forced. It feels natural how everyone ends up at that point, and that becomes one of the first or major battles in the beginning of the rebellion. Fantastic. It's, it's how you're supposed to write good shows. I kept telling people as I was watching it, and it kept getting better, like better and better in, like involved in it, that it felt like a Game of Thrones version of Star Wars. It just was that good, like solid first, second, third episode or seasons mm. of Game of Thrones writing. It was just so good. So I, kudos to you guys for sticking with it, forcing me to kind of stay with it and uh, get through it. But man, I'm I'm pumped for season two. I mean, if yeah, they, you know, 
I, I didn't pick up on this. So I'm not going to take credit for it. Um, I, I, I'm sure there's other people who didn't. I don't know if you guys talked about it, but I, I watch the, a YouTube channel called Screen Crush does a lot of reviews of this stuff. So I'll give them credit. This is where I saw it. If you go back and you listen to the opening themes from every episode, they start off very pared down and there's like an instrument that's added each episode so the theme changes it's the same theme but they add another instrument in each episode and by episode 12 when you finally get there they're actually it's it's a full orchestra playing that (laughs) funeral procession march that they're playing for marvis funeral there and i'm like that's fascinating oh that is cool i missed that that is awesome it's a it's it's an allegory for the whole story in that it takes a little to build at a time and this and, and the result is this grand piece there. So yeah, go back and, and just listen to the part where they bring up the Andor credits and 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 the the soundtrack builds from episode to episode. It's really fascinating. So I, I so just I to, I, oh go ahead. Oh, I have to comment on 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 your your analysis, Scott. Um, and by the way, uh, what is that jacket you're wearing? I thought you would love this. That is strong. <laughs> got the Dodgers <laughs> Dodgers Letterman's jacket. Love that, so love that. Good. Yeah. Wait, is it on the back too? Oh no. Let's see. No, not on the back. <laughs> uh, that's that's strong. Love it. Um. Yeah. Well, look. Um. I, I think I think we're in alignment with our feelings about how the show is written. I mean, Tony Gilroy. Let's give the credit where credits due, man. That that guy has written his ass off for yeah. this show, and um, episode eleven when you have that that uh the monologue from Andy circus that I think Greg, I'm pretty sure you said you're like ready to run through a brick wall when Andy circus gives that speech to the, yeah. to yeah. the, to the yeah. other prisoners. And then you think that's it, but then you've got Luthen's speech at the end, the monologue oh. when he talks about what he's given up. Oh fuck. I forgot about his, when he's in the, in the, the, 300th level of the thing talking to the spy yes god i love what have you you given up the spy says what have you given up i love it wasn't just everything i love it was the description that builds that builds that builds that builds and then he just goes and says it again what have i given up incredible writing and then he says it and it's just so fucking powerful it almost echoes in that moment it's yeah god there, there's so much monologuing going on that you know it's it's and and not like villain monologuing but just ex the exposition that comes from the main characters that's all just so fantastic the 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 i had i had said up until i i don't think i got to review 11 and 12 i think i got to review it up to 10 with you guys yeah i think so um and i had said that the show had improved every episode and if could they keep that up and and they didn't i will because i think 11 was you know, and and I think that's by design. They leveled off the story at at eleven so they could really drive it home on twelve. And I'm glad they did it that way. Yeah. But um, but the the just there was Andy Circus's speech. There was Marva's speech. There was there was um Lu- Lucian Lucian's speech. The Lucian, the Stellan yeah. Skarsgård yep, character. Yep. His speech. There was there was Andor you know, confronting Lucian and, and saying that he's joining the rebellion. There's so much just great, you yeah. know, inspiring writing that's happening in all of those things that just draw you into that show. Well, just, it, I, it, I'm, it's, it's better than Mandalorian fucking hands down. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. And, <laughs> and, and just to build on this really quick, Greg, this was something I talked about, but you, you're talking about all these amazing inspirational moments. And really, if they'd had even just one of those in an episode, it would have been a success. And they have the, the balls to have three of those moments in there. Yeah. I still love the strong characterization of B2 Emo in that episode. Just how, yeah. as a writer, how they, the writing, the, the direction, the editing, they put you in that droid state of mind of how panicked he is of what's going to happen to him now that his owner is dead. Yeah. And I, I said on the episode, I want to sue Lucasfilm for an intentional infliction of emotional distress as a result of that characterization. <laughs> it's, you know, that's a great that, point. That's got, that's got to be K2SO, right? We're all in agreement that's got to be K2SO? I feel like it could be for the future. I, I'm, I'm wondering. I, I have that same thought, but there's nothing in the show to really point you in that direction. It's just it's idle speculation at this point. Yeah, it's just – just well, like how they made the the leap character, you know, they transferred that that droid's consciousness into the Falcon. I feel like this B two emo has to be transferred into 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 K two S O because yeah, you know sure. the robot has such a adorable bond with Andor that you know <laughs> that it, it, that's it's the same bond that 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 K2SO has for him in, yeah. in Rogue One. Yeah, you know, I really want to hear from Nico on this because I, I need the young person's opinion on this. We're, we're talking about a slower Star Wars. A Star Wars without, as I've repeated many times, without the mysticism, the Force, lightsabers, a major character that's a lead character that's a droid. Nico, what's what's your take on the show? I mean, are, did you enjoy the show? It was pretty good. No, go home. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it so much. So, so what? What did you? Uh, let's let's hear more from you, Nico. What what did you love about it? What did you not like so much about it? Uh. I really enjoyed it. I really, really did. Um, it was a slow burn from the very beginning. I kept up, kept up with it weekly. Um, I have not gone back and rewatched any of the episodes like I did with a lot of the other, you know, weekly releases on Disney Plus. And is that because um, you're just not as into it, or because you I, haven't had time? No, why, I why? don't have the time. Honestly, I would love to. Um, okay. Admittedly, I have a really bad habit of being on my phone while I watch TV. Uh, and like Scott was saying, there's a lot of stuff to miss really quick if you're not paying attention to it. Um, so I, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I would love to go back and rewatch it. And I would definitely will when I have a day where I'm just sitting on my ass doing nothing. Okay. Um, I will watch the entirety of this show front to back um, in a single sitting. And I'm sure it will be an amazing time but uh, as for right now no i totally loved it it was super strong it was really emotional um i think i can say it's one of the few properties star wars properties that has gotten me really emotionally attached to characters Mm. um like you get you know kind of invested in the episodic movies you know but I don't think like I've been so 
concern for the well-being and and success of characters and their plot lines as I have been in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because you already know how most of these characters end. But that, you know, in, in spite of that, I'm still very very you know connected to these characters and their stories i think it's one of those things i don't know um one of my favorite one of my favorite things to do when i read novels is to flip to the very last page and read the last <laughs> paragraph of the last page of a novel uh, first uh, is is that so and if then you go die back... before you finish the book you'll know how it ends <laughs> it's it's one of those things where i am sorry more concerned about the journey than the destination i like to see how things happened and why they happened more than what happened Mm. so i like to see the very very end and see what happens and then get to see the journey along and kind of build upon that you know um i don't know so this very much fits into into that kind of uh habit of mine um for storytelling storytelling where you know i kind of already know what's gonna happen at the end obviously mm-hmm. um we know where all of these characters end up um or most of them anyway um and it's really really interesting to me to see these um see this story kind of unfold the way it is because um there's definitely still surprises you know in mm-hmm. spite of the fact that you know how it ends there's still a lot of surprises there's a lot of stories to tell in here and a lot of different ways that they can tell it and it's um it's really cool you know especially because i think you know titular character ander um you see him in rogue one and he's this cold-blooded killer you know right he just shoots that guy in the back alleyway and we're just kind of like whoa like this is supposed to be one of the good guys like how did he like how did this happen the guy was like imprisoned for a long time and treated like shit and you know he had to swim to safety and for you know his only real transgression against the empire you know for the purposes of that you know um arrest was that he was just walking on the wrong side of the street you know um the empire came to his planet and like slaughtered everybody and captured him and then you know he so you seeing this transition uh from you know galactic citizen into rebel leader um is really cool i think i'm i'm still trying to deal with you read the last paragraph first <laughs> try it Try it on a book that you're not too involved or, you know, that you don't care too much about and see what happens. Uh, I I, think it's a really fun practice. No, I hear you. I just, I I worry it'll spoil the impact of certain works like the, and this is an extreme example to illustrate my point, but I I look at the, the Joyce uh, story, the dead. If you jump and read that last paragraph and that last sentence out of sequence of the whole story, I think it destroys the impact that that story has it's a it's a master class of building to the last sentence and leaving you with that sentence and that impact and i don't even like and i don't even like joyce but that thing is a freaking awesome bit of work on his part but let me tell you how many times i've read the very last paragraph of a novel and had it be almost like 
a non-issue for the rest of the story. Like the last, mm -hmm. it's just fluff, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like, and they rode into the sunset. It's like, okay, so what the fuck happened? Like, where? Like, I'm talking before you read anything or right. know anything about the story. Just read the very last paragraph of it and then go into the story. Um, and I mean, basically, that's what we're doing here with this, right? We've all watched Rogue One. We know what happens. And now we're getting the rest of the story before that. That's all right. I'm going to jump in on that because uh, minus your book reading etiquette, I, I really want to. <laughs> um, I Listen, like sir, I live in America. I can read my books however yeah. I want. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to tell you not to. I want to be clear about that. I'm not trying to no. just thinking it through. No, I, I love Nico's point on this, not about the book reading thing, but about we know this where the story's going. What is yeah. so fascinating about Andor is uh, this is how you're supposed to tell a prequel story. This is how you create the drama, create the character buildup, create and, unbelievable story arc. Uh, and, and find a way to give it stakes, right, right, Scott? Because at the end of the day, there, there are no stakes because we know where the character ends, but right. I, we were all completely invested in the arc here. Right, and again, not always criticizing the prequels because I do have a, a newfound funness for the, for the prequels, but I will say... This is how you tell that story, where I think the prequels fell short. This is the type. This, I swear to God, I I'm like, I I could sit there like Nico and be like, we know the end of the story, and I'm like, I don't care. This story is so goddamn good that every episode was a nail biter. It was drama. It was character. It was just oozing with so much charisma and coolness and just drama like i hadn't seen in star wars in forever and it just all it did was enhance the movies that i already liked and i enjoyed the hell out of that and i didn't even get to the fact that the last sequence of that movie or the last part of it is where we finally get the big reveal of what was happening on that prison planet i know you guys have all talked about it but yeah watching that death star being built and right. i love so love the way they did it because it mirrors or it reflects the very first shot, which is the young kid who I think his dad or the boss or who, who was with him through the show gets murdered or tortured and killed, right? In one of the torture sequences is building the bomb that starts the revolution. Mm -hmm. And it's this detailed zoomed in shot of the, the smelt or the welding gun and the hot wires and, the, and all that happening. And it's the same shot at the end Mm -hmm. but it's being zoomed out and you start to see the shape of the things that they were building and then it zooms out more and you see part of the dish and then you zoom out more and it's part of the bigger dish. And then it does that tilt, which is an amazing geomet geometrical looking shape as it tilts up and you just see everything looking like it's going to sit down into that, the seat of where that laser guided dish goes. And I'm just like, this is, this fucking so genius. So this is my only question. So let's talk about that. The, the end credit scene, the yeah. reveal scene. Okay. The status of the Death Star's construction really gives us a sense of where where this is in the timeline, right? Like that thing is that thing is much further along from the shot that we saw than I would have expected, given yeah, damn near given where done. the Rebel yeah. Alliance is is at. Yeah. Because there in Rogue One, there's a network, and there's you know there's capital ships there are there are assets that the that the rebellion owns at that point that there's not even an infrastructure that exists 
yeah. in, right now in Andor. So yeah, I need to go back and watch that to to line that up. I wasn't sure about yeah. that. Also, so that, it seemed like it was. That, that's advanced. the only thing yeah. that kind of concerns me. That kind of yeah. jarred me for a second and took me out of the narrative. But I, I I say that in that one, I could be wrong. I could be misinterpreting the shot. And two, they could have a plan. Everything seems so deliberately done and so thoughtful. I have no issue saying to the creators, "I'm waiting to see season two to see what your your plan is here," rather than just trash this based off of something I'm seeing without the full context for it. Let's let's throw it into context. According to the show's creators and stuff, this takes place, is it five years before Rogue One, yes. right? Yes. That thing seems really far along for in, five years in, before in Rogue fact, One. Let me yeah. just... you, you, you can't put together a gun in five years? What is in this, fact, the Biden administration? That thought, great. Scott, that just thought. for context, just for context, <laughs> Scott, and I promise I'll come right back to you. Just for context, season two... The rumor is 12 episodes, four three-episode arcs. Each episode is a year. That's the rumor. Okay. So if you look at the very very first episode when he's on Morlana 1, where, again, right out the gate, he's brutal, and he murders two of those security agent guys. And and this shows kind of where he's going. With with some justification. It's not like he just did it for fun. They – they put him in a bad spot where that was his only way out. Right. right because they were punk ass, power hungry yeah. jobs. But if you look at the shot of the Death Star at the final sequence and really look at the Death Star, not the construction of the dish, which is all like pulled out in a schematic form in multi layers. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the shot of, and Greg, I get your point. Five years seems a long time to put a gun together, but. The last one scene you see in Rogue One is it is a complete Death Star, and all that's happening is the completed constructed dish is being pushed into place. That's all that's happening. Right. But if you look at that shot, it's not just the dish that's under construction. And if you look at the close-up as it's zooming out, the dish isn't complete. It's tiny little cogs that they're putting together on that entire panel, which is basically the size of a moon. So even though it's robot pieces, that's no moon. And if if a building takes it's a space nine station, months, twelve months to build here on Earth, and it, God forbid, how long has the four hundred five project taken place? <laughs> <laughs> My whole life. That's you know what? That's a fair point, Scott. Because this that's is a not a private point. enterprise. This is a government contract thing. So that is a one thousand percent fair point. That brings up the clerks entry into this. <laughs> yeah. There are government people. Are there are independent contractors working on that death star those droids are definitely in a union yeah but but it's it's also an interesting contrast right to how they build death star 2 because i think Mm -hmm. it's it's a fair supposition to say maybe they don't have the gun completely perfected yet in terms of all the fine details they have the superstructure down so that's what they're building but they Mm -hmm. don't they don't have it the the rest of the innards figured out so they figure out the innards and build the death star one successfully and now they flip over to Death Star 2, and they start with the gun and build out from that so that that Death Star is never is never defenseless during construction period. Right. Guys, I, I we, we're running short on time. I've got to get a couple of points in that I want to I wanna circle back to a couple of things that we've touched on, and okay. I want to make one other point. Number one. The fact that Genevieve O'Reilly is not a huge movie star is completely I, I like I don't get it. She's so good on this show. She's such a great actress. 
She's she's got the sex appeal. She's got the intrigue. She's she's just fantastic on this show. We haven't talked about her at all, uh, Greg, Nico, Scott. But I want to get your take on Genevieve O'Reilly on the other side of the plot uh, of the, of the plot lines for Andor. What do you give give me your quick take on Genevieve O'Reilly's performance and the other side of the show? She's the Imperial. She's uh, what's her name? She's uh, Mon, Mon Mothma. Yes. Oh, Mon Mothma. Sorry. There's like that um, whole other side of the plot lines that are going on. We haven't touched oh. on it all. And I want you to be able to touch on those. Greg, do you want to take it or do you want? Uh, I'll start. Sure. I, 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 uh, you, you threw me off with the sex appeal there. Not that she's not a very attractive lady. My not God. That she's not, not that she's not sexy, but like that, that, that's not what I'm getting from this character at all. Um, <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying, Greg, but her, her, her sex appeal, if you will, to me comes from her intelligence, her power, how she yes. carries herself. Sure. Like it's yeah. not a, Jennifer Connelly or a Megan Fox. Absolutely, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. I, I, I can, I can, like I say, I completely see that she's, she's absolutely in, and, and I'll, I'll compare it to somebody who's more trying outwardly, I think, to be sexy. But the Hannah, Hannah Waddingham character from Ted Lasso, uh, sure. who is just stunning, but she's not there to be stunning. So I, I, I get that. Um, right, moving, be, moving, moving. Moving back, moving, moving back to Andor, I I see her character as somebody who's always had control. She's always been a kind of a political power broker, and she sees her life crumbling around her piece by piece, mm-hmm. and she's and 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 she's panicking inside on the inside, and that it's that internal struggle that she is projecting so well on this show. Um, that has that has got me so invested in her character and her story and what's going on. Scott, how how is Genevieve O'Reilly not a huge movie star? I mean, I don't. How, where has she been hiding? I don't get it. She should be an uh, an at least a low level A list movie star, in my opinion. Oh, She's killing I, I, it in the show. You were all you were all great with all of your you know things that you were talking about, Steve, and why he's asking this question. But you have to realize it's Steve, and this is how I know. Steve, it's she's a red. <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn you, Scott Ivansky. You're probably right. No, it's that. true, buddy. You know yeah, it's true. Uh, hey, I, I want to say real quick about that. Yeah, everything that Greg just said is dead on. I mean, she is fantastic and plays that the struggle of that politician and trying to do the right thing while, you know, basically caught in a position where she can't do anything because she's being watched constantly which is shockingly one of the more intriguing moments of this whole series um but the the one i found the most fascinating the one where i just found the moment where she just thrived was when she took control they're in the cab and she's with her husband Mm. and if you don't remember that sequence if you do i burned in my brain because it's brilliant it is so brilliant because at first I just thought, what the hell? This guy's totally doing this. And it didn't matter if he did it or not. I think the whole concept, of, and tell me if I'm wrong, is she's playing the driver who I think at this point we now know is a spy. Oh, yeah. yes. And I just love she keeps throwing him under the bus to throw them off the scent. And she's and that's where the sacrifice starts. And then the the giving up her daughter to the marriage, I think that's where it all starts to play out, where she's working that angle finally and figuring this moment out where she becomes the Mon Mothma that we know in Return of the Jedi. 
And I so, just, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I thought you were done. No, I'm go take. No, it. I was I was going to say, Greg, to build on what you're saying, because I I don't remember if you were on the show. I said something similar to that. It, it was my response to the episode where she was speaking the Galactic Senate, and everybody's leaving and turning the lights out while she's she's making her speech, her oh. impassioned speech for you know what's morally right. And I had the exact same sense that you talked about, that this is someone who is watching their life crumble around her and she is trying to do the right thing. But as is a theme of this show, you have to make some very hard choices and do some very untenable things to get to that end, the journey yeah. that Nico's talking about. And yeah. watching her in these last two episodes, she's starting to make those choices to get herself out of the situation. And it's ruthless to think that she is sacrificing her family to to found the rebellion to save the republic but it's it's an incredibly cold and powerful calculation to to watch her make in real time everything else is yeah. falling around her no i'm going to stand up and i'm going to do this and this is a horrible analogy but there's an episode of star trek the next generation where counselor troy is trying to get the authority to be a command you know command to sit in the center chair and she goes through a test that's the equivalent of the Kobayashi Maru, and she fails every time because the Enterprise is badly damaged in the simulation. You can't repair it without people dying to make the repair, and she keeps trying to find a solution, and it never works. And finally, at the end of the episode, she realizes the solution is she has to order one of her friends to go and make the repair to the ship to save the ship and the rest of the crew, and her friend is going to die as a result. Mm. And once she does that, she passes the test and she earns her her stripes and she can sit in the captain's chair. Mm. And that, that that's like I feel like that's, you know, grade three writing analogy to what Andor is doing, which is like graduate level student, but it it's that same parallel moment to me. That's the moment where the Mon Mothma, the ruthless chess playing calculator leader of a rebel alliance, is finally being born, taking those first steps toward doing the things and becoming the unple the, the person that she has beheld and hated. To get to her goal, it, it wouldn't be an episode of the Wretched Hive unless we had a reference to from Dave for Star Trek: The Next Generation. It just would not be a true episode prime of the Wretched Hive unless we have that. It, it may be well done. Mark your Wretched Hive bingo card now. <laughs> it may be corny, but I'm not totally wrong. That's all. No, I'm you're not wrong. Uh, I there's, also there's there's Dave, there's Dave mentioning the wretched hive. There's me laughing at my own jokes because I can't stop laughing. Uh, there's fuck you, Nico. What else? What else do we got on wretched we hive? To, oh, Scott jumping to... in. There's Scott jumping yeah. in. We need to and post. Steve, that's a yeah. drinking game right there. Anytime. Yes. And, 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 and Steve exasperatedly trying to move on to the next topic. Well, we will put <laughs> we will create a bingo card set. And put them on our webpage. That's Wretched High Podcast on it. Also, just got to call out a couple of things. Scott, you mentioned uh, the, um, gosh, Andor's uh, sentence from that went from six months to six years. Remember, yeah. that was because of what he did on the, mm -hmm. on the planet Aldani. The, the writing on the show... And I'm just this. This will be a la, our last call out for season one of episode and of uh, of Andor here. Um, the, Tony Gilroy and team are just doing a bang up job, and and there's so many examples I have, and I just want to share a few. That was one. The second one was. Um, Kino Loy's speech when he's when he you know he gives you this like. 
ultimate halftime, you know, you're down by two touchdowns speech where he's that ends with the entire prison population chanting one way out and they get to the top of the prison and they're diving into the ocean to swim to safety and he can't swim himself. I mean, just absolutely brilliant writing. Um, the fall will probably kill you. I don't know what he's worried about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just, I cannot praise this enough for the writing and the dialogue. How much have we complained about star Wars dialogue and about how George oh, yeah. can't write dialogue? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and not 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 wrong. I don't. I I had to steal this one, but I want to add it to our show. Yeah, I'll give. It's it's one of those screen crush with those people, Greg. I I don't know if it's that one, new rock stars, but I just want to point this out because I backed up the episode and rewatched this to see if they were telling the truth, and it is fantastic. This is great writing. You created a droid who is one of the most heart wrenching characters on the show that just just eat your heart out by the, the last episode because of the connection uh, to Marva and Andor. But if you watch that droid again and you watch that last episode, uh, when the speech is happening, the first thing you remember from the very first episode is that this droid has a stuttering problem. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the speech that she's giving when she's starting to tell you what her true feelings are, and that's to fight the Empire before she actually says the word fight the empire. And this is the catch to it. She's building you up to this moment. And when they realize it, that one officer comes up and pulls his giant uh, trench coat off to throw it over the droid. This is symbolism all over the fucking place. And this is what I admire the most about this, uh, this particular moment, but this episode, it can't cover the light that's breaking through. It, starts to slide off and you still see her face and the empire is casting mm-hmm. the darkness mm-hmm. but if you watch what she's saying the droid can't project what she's saying and stutters and the way they analyze this is when you say the word fight if you look at your mouth you say fight and your teeth come together she's saying fuck the empire because her mouth opens and draws back and it stutters to make it sound because it skips the word fight. It says, f- and it sounds like it says fight and just rewatch it. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And I watched that thing over and over again. And I swear to God, I'm like, that is genius to cut that out. And apparently it was written into the show that she says, stand up against the oppression, stand up and go against these people. Fuck the empire. And I'm like, that is unbelievable. And, and, that is something that needs to be investigated because if that's the way that was, watch her draw on her mouth and it's just amazing. And I think it's a brilliant move if that was intended to make that even more of an emphasis because that's the moment that he's trying to stifle that droid and then ends up kicking him over. And I'm just like, it was so dramatic for me. It was so dramatic at that moment. A little droid who I actually wrote off at the very first episode, this is like stupid. Oh wall. yeah, why? Yep. I I, th- I thought he was toys, and yeah. the very first time I saw him, yeah. I was like, oh, yep, there's the toys. Remember after I, that I, first episode, Nico, you messaged me and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's um, it's uh, what did you compare it to? Um, the other Disney uh, movie, Wally. 
Wally. Wally. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. it's Wally. And I'm like, oh, shit. I, you're right. It is I Wally. thought he was like Bob from the Black Hole. Yeah, old Bob. I totally said the same thing. I'm like, it's old Bob meets Wally. Because he's all battered up and he can't open his head up right. And that's exactly what the yeah. droid on Black Hole does. So, so Scott, this, this fuck the Empire quote has been yeah. covered. It, it's a thing. Like, yeah. I think they that, read... That's how it was written. I think it was written that way. And they either maybe got a little wrist slap from Disney Plus or something happened and they changed it. I think that's unbelievable. And it, it's awesome to see it in the show yeah. and censored in a way that makes sense. That's what I love about it. Yeah. So, kudos I, to I, I think it's a rare moment where a studio note actually resulted in something that was even better and more impactful than the original. Right. Totally agree. And I love it. It still comes across beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's one of the best moments because it, I could, I could play all of those momentous speeches for anything. I just feel like I'm going to get out to the car and it's going to be freezing cold. And I'm going to play that for five minutes before I get out there to fight the damn cold. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're we are at the end of our time and we have a few more things to talk about man we've got there's just so much stuff happening right now we got bob Iger back in bob Iger. bob Iger. and we've got and we've got uh oh yeah yeah we've got ryan johnson talking talking on smartless on the, by the way if you don't listen to smartless just stop listening to this show go go over and listen to hey, smartless whoa Stuff uh, down there, Sparky. Well, so yeah. it's 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 um, Jason Bateman, yeah, um, who's amazing. Will Arnett, who's amazing, and Sean Hayes, who is funny, but it, he was in Will and Grace. Is he that what he was Will on? What else was he oh. on? Yeah, uh, well, he's done a lot of Broadway, and and I think he's okay. done a lot of stage stuff. Hold but on, he's on. famous for Will and Grace. Yeah, he was he was on okay. Will and Grace in the nineties. And hold on, let me check. Oh, and he was on Will and Grace again. <laughs> <laughs> He's on Smartless. He's a but, he's a famous Broadway actor, Scott. Don't mess with the arts. But, but Smartless <laughs> might might be the number one podcast. Really I'm, I'm not sure. But th- those guys do a great job. And recently on their show, Ryan Johnson was a guest. Real quick, if they're so amazing, why aren't they on our show? They they will be. Just give they it time. All things Send come to pass. Um, All right. Smartless episode 125 is uh, Ryan Johnson is their surprise guest. And um, <laughs> I was I was actually putting up Christmas lights on my house the other day. And I was listening to this episode of Smartless because I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some show prep. I'm going to listen to Ryan Johnson get interviewed by these guys. And he confirmed again that basically that um, The Last Jedi he literally said was the biggest fan film, like the most expensive fan film made ever. Actually, Sean Hayes, you mentioned Sean Hayes asked him, didn't the Lucasfilm story group, like, you know, check you on anything. And he's like, no, they were, they were pretty cool about anything. They just kind of, you know, asked what I was doing and I shared and yeah, they were, they were okay with it. (laughs) I was just just sitting there. I was just sitting there grinding my teeth like, ah, there was no plan. Ah. But uh, it's, it. it's an interesting interview. Um, but he, and he's a super nice guy and super normal and seems super cool. But man, God damn it. There was no plan and, for Star and, Wars. And Knives Out is a really, really good movie. 
despite what Scott says about it. And I'm excited <clears throat> for the Knives Out sequel to come out this winter. <clears throat> anybody seen uh, Glass Onion? Glass Onion, anybody? No, no, it hasn't, it's not out yet. It's not? not? Yet. December, yeah. December 23rd. Oh, December 23rd. Okay. okay. On Netflix. I think it's been in theaters. It's been in theaters yeah. already. It's oh, already? I thought I thought it was coming out soon in theaters. Nope, Is it out it, already in theaters? It was out in theaters, yes. but they pulled it. Like you know, it did the run for like two weeks, so it, it qualifies it, for Oscars. Li- it was yeah. it was supposed to be a limited run before it yes. hit Netflix. Yeah, but it hits yeah. Netflix on to, to get Twitter. Oscar eligibility. Exactly. <laughs> but I wholeheartedly agree with you. Knives Out is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Yep, I think we all agree, except for uh, Nico. You agree? Uh, Knives Out. Knives Out. He loved, movie. He loved it. He loved it. Scott. No, no, no. But I mean, I wanted to jump in on this because <laughs> we need a drinking game, not a bingo game. I know. We do. I did rewatch Knives Out just for Greg because we've had this oh. conversation and it did improve. Okay. It did improve. So I'm probably mm. sitting at about a C minus right now. Oh, OK. It's, it's a wow. Yeah, that was inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, OK. I mean, I so he talks about <laughs> Knives Out uh, on the show, on the uh, episode of um, Smartless. He talks about how he grew up watching Agatha Christie films and reading Agatha Christie stories. He talks about Star Wars. He talks about how he grew up with, with the original trilogy. I mean, he's a fan. He's like us. He, he, he. he so He's I, a South I, County boy, South San Clemente, just north of the boobies, the atomic boobies, just north of them. So Scott, school, Scott, you'll appreciate this really quick. Sorry, I'm so I, I, sorry, Scott. He he's got a he went to USC film school, but you, Scott, you and I both have kids that are both in different schools but attending film school. Yeah, right. So he he tells the story about how he got into USC. Or he applied to USC film school and didn't get in. And but he got in as an undeclared major. So he got into USC, started just attending classes, networking with the film students, um, sitting in on film classes, but he wasn't in the film school. Applied every semester, they rejected him every semester. He applied as a junior. Now you're getting close to the end. You apply as a junior, they rejected him again. And so he wrote this scathing letter to the dean of the USC film school at the time which was basically fuck you I don't want to be in your school and you guys suck and then they let him in because of the quality of his letter and he'd been making what's that he pulled a he pulled a Morgan Freeman in uh, Shawshank Redemption on him yes he he did he did did. that's right pulled a a George Costanza from that episode of Seinfeld where he gets hired by the Yankees (laughs) I don't know what rehabilitated means, young man, but you stamp whatever you want. That's right, whatever. And, and uh, they let him in, and he had been making films since he was like nine years old with his buddies, so he had all these student films. Looper was a, a one-page or two-page summary that he had written with his buddies uh, that once he, you know, after he made Brick... They're like, what else you got? And he's like, well, I got this idea called Looper, and they made that, and it became Looper. I mean, it was he's a, it's a really good interview, so I highly recommend go check out uh, Smartless episode one twenty five. Check out Ryan Johnson. Uh, totally disagree with his choices on the Last Jedi. 
although I'm warming to the movie a little bit, I, I don't hate it. I don't. The middle section was a... is, is awful. The middle section is really there's a lot of horrible stuff that happens in the middle section. But the I I think and and I know Scott disagrees with me here. But the the parts with with Luke and Ray on on whatever planet that was that I've completely forgotten the name of now. And the end of the scene when when Ray goes to confront Kylo Ren on the ship, uh, all of that is is great, great, best Star Wars of the whole new trilogy. Can we all agree that Rise of Skywalker sucks? Which is <laughs> so yeah, it's, it it's a bad movie. It, it's, all right, and it's a I, bad am, movie. I am gonna thank you. I'm gonna loop this back to Andor just to note there was a Canto bite name drop in Andor. Oh yeah, yes, oh, there yeah. was. Yeah, my thing. Yeah. Was, worst thing about. Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi is it ruined Andor for me. Oh, <laughs> oh it didn't I, ruin it. Here, here. You're, you're being a little bit... to the dark side, Scott. A little hyperbolous there, Scott. It didn't ruin it for you, did it? Well, okay, let's just look at this real quick. Ryan Johnson, he's a fan like us. That's what you said, Steve. Okay, so he loves Star Wars. Did any of us make Star Wars stuff? No, but he did, and it sucked. Oh, mm. he's a fan of Agatha wow. Christie. Oh, what did he do? He did a detective story like Agatha Christie, and it sucks. So whatever. Wow. <laughs> here, Ryan, come here. Come a little closer to the screen. Here, here. Come oh, here. I would love to. Oh. Yeah. Please. All right, let's get out. Ryan Johnson is to Scott as Glenn Fry is to Greg. That's wow. that's a true statement. Wow. That I is an that. SAT worthy analogy. Wow, there's some I didn't hatred. Go to college. There's some hatred going on for Ryan Johnson on this show. Nice. I can't believe it. I'm Undeserved shocked. as well, if I'm I am say. shocked. I agree. I am just shocked. Well, if you've ever hated Ryan Johnson, don't don't call us because most of us don't agree with you. Call Scott at his cell phone five six two four five five. Four four eight three. That's five six two four five five hive. That's H I V E. In case you can't spell Scott, you're goddamn right. Can you imagine if that was your cell phone, Scott? That would be so freaking cool. Yeah, that would be that would be very very Donald Trump of you to just give out somebody's cell phone on the air like that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like giving out the knock list, man. Anyway, um, all right. You can also find us online at www.wretchedhivepodcast.net. You know, you can stream. It's, a, it's actually a Christmas special right now. You can stream all of our shows for free. What? Yes. End of the year sale. End of the year sale. WretchedEyePodcast.net. Go check it out. Also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash WretchedEyePodcast. You can find us on Instagram at the WretchedHive77, on Twitter at WretchedHivePod. You can find us on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Podchaser, even the Samsung podcast app. Who the hell knows Ooh. that exists? Oh, lies. That's Whatever. not a real thing. It's just all lies. It's up there with a Zune. Yes, you can. Um, We're on every Zune in the galaxy, guys. By the way, uh, if you 
follow the show, will you rate the show, please, and give us a review? That helps other people find the show. Guys, last thoughts, really quick, 20 seconds. I don't have the thoughts to fit into 20 seconds. Have a great week, everybody, and may the force be with you all. What a disappointing 20 seconds. May the force be with you all. I think that's the first time I've ever said that. It's usually with us all. So, um, Hmm. I think as a preview for the next episode, and maybe you're putting this on the, as the, as the end tag, I don't know. Yeah. I really, really, really want to get into a deep dive with all of you guys about the hatred that's out there for Bob Chapek. I didn't realize the depths that people hated that guy. Now that Bob Iger's taken over. Yeah. Yeah. Take it back Bob over. Should reassume the reins of one might say. You know, can I just give, um, can I while we're still recording? Can I just do this really quick? Give me uh, it's about uh, let's see, eighteen seconds. Hang on. The chairman and chief executive officer of the Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger. I wish you actually knew Bob Iger so you could make that his ringtone whenever he called you. <laughs> God. I would love it so much. Oh my I God. would if, if he is a guy that can make fun of himself, can you imagine if that's the his chairman ringtone? and chief executive I mean, officer of the Walt Disney Company? What a Bob Iger. Asshole. You know, just every time he walks in the room, just have this playing in the background. <laughs> so funny. He's so great. And at the end, you can't really hear him, but he says, he says in his tone that you always make fun of uh, Greg. Thank you. Thank thank you very much. Greg, who has more of a monotone, uh, Bob Iger or Harrison Ford? Oh, it's Bob Bob Iger, 100%. Harrison Ford just doesn't give a fuck. Bob Iger. (laughs) Hey, hey, Greg, Um, uh, really quick. But there's, there's too much to talk about it. For a a post co a post show tag, and I really want like a, a we 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 can almost dedicate a full episode to this. I think. Hey, Greg, give me your imitation really quick. No practice at all. This is live here. This nowhere else in the podcast universe. Greg Lent, I want to hear Harrison Ford doing his impersonation of Bob Iger. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> that's it that's it just that that's it okay all right. Uh, all right that's it i just but... uh... <laughs> <laughs> you can't even do it uh... all right wait a minute all right give, wait. Her, go. give her to go okay, okay here got we it, go gotta get it get in character get in character here all we right. go harrison ford uh... doing bob Iger. here we go uh. <laughs> this is like me taking a shit at like 2 a.m. You cannot get this entertainment anywhere else, folks. Please remember to rate our podcast if yes. you're still listening. Because it helps people right. find you... our show. That's, that's the key. Uh. All right. That was good. All right. Couldn't, I couldn't get my last dig in on Ryan Johnson. I was trying to get it out there. I don't know if you heard it, but he, he, all those 30 seconds, Scott. Me is my childhood. He also. By titling it the the glass onion, he ruined the Beatles for me. So that's it. <laughs>